0: If you would take your scriptures and turn with you to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, we'll be reading the entire chapter. Ephesians 1, would you give ear to the reading of God's word? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and that in that and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. O Lord, you have given us the words of the prophets and apostles. These words are made certain so that it is good that we pay close attention to them as a shining light, making clear the dark places until the day dawns and the morning star rises in the hearts of your people. You have made it clear. None of this prophecy originates in the heart of man, but these men spoke from you as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Open our ears to hear, our hearts to understand this morning. Take by your Spirit this message this passage of Scripture and implant it in our hearts. Let it do its work. Let it change our lives in Christ's name. Amen. We began looking at Ephesians 1-4 last week and we continue that through this sermon. We talked about the author of election and concluded that God is the initiator of election in each individual heart. We examined the nature of this election and we saw it was derived from the sovereign love of our Lord. We looked into the object of this electing love and saw it was those called by God from the mass of sinful mankind. This is a very comforting picture to those who are in Christ. You're in Him by the sovereign decree of God. You were chosen by his electing love without any consideration of anything within you. Nothing, absolutely nothing, should bring more joy to your heart than this wonderful doctrine of election. Paul explains in Philippians 1.6, one of the many reasons why this doctrine should produce joy in you when he says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it, until the day of Jesus Christ. God is the author of your election. He initiated the change of heart that turns you from your sinful, selfish ways to Jesus Christ. His electing love will never leave you. It will never forsake you. Once he elects, he guarantees the salvation of the one elected. Sharon and I were invited a few years ago to a graduation party one of one her piano students. Some of the family were Jewish. We found ourselves seated at a table full of Jewish people. I had a very interesting conversation with the lady next to me. One of the things I learned in talking with her was that a Jew, as a Jew, she had absolutely no hope whatsoever. She had nothing upon which she could build hope. She didn't know what would happen to her at the end of her life. She supposed, if she kept the law well enough, she would have a chance that God would accept her, but she had no assurance of any guarantee. Here in this wonderful promise of Christianity, you have hope. Your hope is founded in Jesus Christ and all he has done, but it goes even further back than that. It starts with God's decree to save the people unto himself. In eternity past. The idea that salvation is predicated on your actions is very, very vague. If this is the foundation of the system, you're no better off than the Jew. The whole concept of salvation as under man's control leaves God a helpless observer. Which is why Jews have no hope. And the lady was not interested in anything that would bring her hope. If your salvation is completely dependent upon you, then you are forever lost because you cannot live up to the demands of the law. What you need is a system that places all of the responsibility for your salvation on one who is capable of completing the required work. Your hope is that there is such a system. In that system, Christ came to live the perfect life that you could not live, to die the atoning death required for your reconciliation and to win the resurrection victory over your enemies. He did all of these things for those whom the Father had given him. Throughout this system, it's never left up to the will of man, but is always God's will that directs. He changes the heart. He changes the heart through the work of the Holy Spirit, showing you the sinfulness of your old heart and the wonder and beauty of the love of Jesus Christ, making it impossible that you should ever want to resist these changes in your life. This is the hope the Jew does not have. There is no greater hope than to know that your life is in the hands of the sovereign almighty God. Some might ask, how can you know? You can know by how you respond to God's word. Do you desire to learn from it and grow in your keeping of it? You don't have to keep it to be saved, but you will want to keep it if you are saved. Search your heart. Is the word of God important to you? Are you working to know it better every day? Ask yourself, is Christ my savior? Do I trust in him and alone for my salvation? Then ask, is Christ my Lord? Am I working to serve him with all of my heart? You will find perfect trust and perfect service, but you must find a desire for both. When you find that desire, then you know it is there because of the work of God in your heart. And it is a work that will not end until you are with your Lord in heaven where it will be completed. This is true. Hope. For it is hope in the works of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Let's continue our look at this doctrine of election. We'll look at the scripture as it explains this doctrine. First, we'll consider the foundation of election. Second, we shall observe the time of our election. Third, we will study the purpose of our election. The foundation of the church from the very beginning to the end is surely is surely the election of its people in Christ Jesus. That was the whole purpose. That's why Christ came. Verses 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. We could, without harm, translate that this way. God the Father blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as in him he elected us. When you think of a foundation, you think of something solid, solid, something which you can build upon. Consider the building of this world. Did God create the heavens and the earth and all the host of both for the purpose of him just sitting down and admiring it all? I don't think so. He created it to have a people unto himself. The people are the crown of all he has made. He began with a plan. The first step in that plan was to decree there would be a people that some of those people would serve him. God chooses some men out of the evil state into which they chose to plunge themselves. They were chosen by God even before they were born. God choosing is the foundation of the church today. The foundation is just the first step in the long climb to heaven. We dare not treat this process of salvation as so many per separate items. They are steps of a great staircase. Romans 8:29 through30. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. What does Paul show us at the foundation of all that has happened to the believer? God foreknew and predestined. What does he predestine them to? To the likeness of his son. Salvation is a process. A process that once begun in your life cannot be stopped until it is complete. Your election is the first thing done in that process. God began creation with two decrees. The first is the decree of election, which says he will save a people unto himself out of the mass of sinful life. Believe on Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The second is the decree of reprobation in which he says all who sin will die. Because of Adam, our federal head in the garden, All men fell under the decree of reprobation. All men lost hope of a life with their creator. If all men are under the decree of reprobation because of Adam's sin, thus spiritually dead, can anything in man annul the decree of reprobation? The answer is no. If God looked and saw which men would would have faith and saved only those, then the decree of reprobation is abrogated. God chooses from the mass of sinful man some to be his. To make them his without revoking his decree of reprobation, there had to be another decree to supersede reprobation. That decree is election. God chooses out of all of these men going to hell for their sins, some to redeem. The others he simply passes by, leaving them to their own way, the way they chose. This shows that those elected are chosen out of a life of total worthlessness before God. They're not worthy of anything from God. We know the scripture says sin must be punished. It cannot be left without correction. The demands of God's holy law must be satisfied. The Heavenly Father does the not... By election, cancel his righteousness, he does not harm, does no harm to his character, nor forget the demands of his laws. This brings up the question how does God give us such a hope? Such hope to children of wrath? How can he save them without doing irreparable harm to his law? The answer is that this is possible only because of the promise of his son. The crowned God working in perfect unison has made possible salvation in Christ Jesus through this decree of election. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5, and 5 through 7. Therefore, when he came into the world, Jesus, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you had prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written about me to do your will, O God. Paul explains this in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. These passages show that believers... Though initially by their own nature are unworthy and hopeless, they are made righteous and given hope in the sight of God. How does this work? Christ promised in their place that he would satisfy all the requirements of the law. Galatians 3:13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written: cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The life of Crucifixion and resurrection of Christ were all a part of the decree of election. These things were determined prior to the creation of the world. The election of the people unto God the Father in Christ was the very foundation of all God is engaged in for mankind. This is why Paul says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ." The author of our election is God. The nature of our election is love. The object of our election is man. The foundation of our election is Jesus Christ. The next thing we must consider is the timing of our election. Look at verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Since your election occurred in Christ, Peter makes plain when it happened. 1 Peter 1, verses 19 through 20. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. This says Christ was chosen before the creation of the world. But remember, you were chosen in Christ. Thus, Peter says, you also were chosen before the creation of the world. Jesus teaches this also, John 6, 39. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. He refers to those whom he was sent to redeem. This has been his purpose from before the creation of the world. Jesus Christ has been committed to the promise of redemption for those whom the Father had given him from eternity. In his high priestly prayer, Jesus prays for those given him. John seventeen twenty four. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. God chose you. God chose you to be his. Even before the world was made. Some have a problem with this because they want to be the responsible party in their salvation. They want to think they chose God and thus their salvation is because of their own actions. If this is true, then your salvation has no eternal foundation to it. It is a house built without a foundation and Christ spoke about the dangers of such houses and what they face. He says, a house built without a foundation, when the winds and rains come, it will fall down. The only way your salvation can be eternal is to be in in Christ, for he is eternal. He's the rock. He's the rock upon which he calls men to build. When a house is built on this rock, no storm, no flood can wash it away. Herein is the reason the Jewish lady had no hope. She didn't know the one sent save. Galatians talks about Christ coming in the fullness of time. He came to the Jewish people first. And most refused to hear his call. Thus sealing them in a state of hopelessness. Don't let that happen to you. Hear this wonderful message of hope. That Christ agreed to die for you before the world was created. Let him be your hope. If you know him, live your life in his hope and show others his love, mercy, and grace. The point being made is that if before the foundation of the world, those destined for everlasting life were elected, then you have to admit all the glory for salvation belongs to God. Therefore, you can join with Paul in saying, Praise be to God the Father and of our Lord and Jesus Christ. This plan of God was instituted in time past, even before the world was created. It is being worked out since the beginning of mankind. We can hear it in Genesis 3.15. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. At the opening of man's story is a testimony to the absolute control of God in the affairs of men. The prophets of old spoke of this foreordained plan. Peter, quoting the prophet Joel. Joel wrote some 800 years before Christ. Writing in his sermon at Pentecost, Peter shows God did predestine the outpouring of the Spirit. He says in Acts 2.17, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Peter shows this in Acts 2.23. Him, Christ, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death. What happened on Calvary's hill was preplanned. It was preplanned by God. Using the sinfulness of men to accomplish his purpose concerning Christ. This was planned before the foundations of this world were laid. There was great wisdom hidden in God's work. 1 Corinthians 2.7 But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for glory. God does not act on the spur of the moment. He is never overcome with emotion that causes him to act in haste. He cannot be blindsided and made to act in a hurry. God acts by decree, and nothing in this world happens that he did not decree it, and he decreed it before the world was made. There is no unchanging purpose with God. 2 Timothy 1.9 God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Here again, you see the decree of God made before time began. Our election is founded in eternity past. It is centered in the death of Jesus Christ. The apostle John in Revelation 13, 8 speaks of the beast and those who worship him. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, the beast, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. That means it was before the creation that God decreed Jesus would die on the cross. That's when his death was made sure. That's when your election was made sure. And that was by God's decree made before the foundations of this world were laid. You can see that work throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. What's God's purpose in election? Verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The purpose was to have a holy people. Without election, there could never be a holy people. Because all men had rebelled and fallen into spiritual death, making themselves totally worthless in God's sight and completely helpless. They were hopeless to regain a holy life. This was what this Jewish lady was so upset about. She didn't like the fact Christians seemed to be filled with hope. She couldn't understand why they had it because her heart was hard and unwilling to listen. I ask you to note, this election is not based on man's foreseen merits nor on his foreseen faith. This election is the root of salvation, not its fault. Without the process of election, you could never call on the name of Jesus Christ. Without the power and efficacy of your call from God, you could never have been raised from your spiritual death. Yes, you must understand, while you do not earn salvation by your works, personal responsibility is not removed from this process of salvation. When this call comes into the heart of a person, it does not come operating by means of external compulsion. It comes in and changes things. It motivates, it enables, it actuates. It makes possible for you those things previously you could not do. It causes you to see your sin and your rebellion against God. It makes you aware of God's grace and the wonder of Christ's work on Calvary's cross. It makes you desire with all of your heart a relationship with your creator. It draws you to call. It never demands you to do anything. You call out to Christ and ask him into your heart because you want him to be there. He comes and fills your life with hope. This is what election does. It makes a person drawn by his his grace, not driven by his wrath. (laughs) You become aware. You become aware of the love offered in Christ and begin to respond to that love. Not because of any obligation to earn from him, but because of the love he's given you. You now desire to please him. I pray you can see by the purpose of this election, you are not carried just halfway to salvation, but all the way by the power of God. You're not simply brought to conversion, but will be brought all the way to perfection. Now, it has as its purpose your holiness. To bring you into a state of perfect holiness where you will never again be separated from your creator. This is the hope of election that separates believers from unbelievers. God has decreed a purpose for each person that is called to come and believe in Jesus Christ. Yes, our lives as Christians may be hard. They may be uncomfortable at times. But we should shout, shout with all our strength that our life has a purpose. And that purpose is to bring glory to our Lord. And it was decreed from before the foundation of the world. What this tells us is that God is watching us and guiding us. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart plans his way. But the Lord directs his steps. What this purpose does is open your heart for God to plan your ways, to plan those steps. God begins a good work in your heart. This is the goal. This is the goal that will be made. You will be made like his son, perfect in every way. I can't wait. This alone is the goal of every believer. To be perfect as Christ is perfect. It's your present goal, as God told Moses in Leviticus nineteen two, "You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy." It will build in you a realization, a hope of what is to come, as Christ taught, "Your kingdom will come; be will be done on earth as it is in heaven." In Revelation twenty one twenty seven, the NIV explains. Nothing impure will ever enter heaven, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? You may ask, how can I know? You can know by how much you struggle with living the holy life. Only those who are called by God will hate the sin they see in their lives and will want to see that sin removed. Election changes the heart. It fills it with this glorious and wonderful hope of a new life with Jesus Christ. Christ came into this world to save a people unto himself. To create a holy people, a holy nation. To be salt and light in this darkness of this sin-filled world. It was God who created, who decreed this Lamb's book of life. Understand... That book of life was filled out before one stone of creation was made. To ensure you know that your name is written in its pages, you need to place your hope, your trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. There's no other way. No other way to gain assurance of salvation than believing in Jesus Christ. The purpose of election is to give you that hope, the hope of salvation in Jesus Christ. In conclusion, I hope you have seen that election is the warp and woof of the gospel. That means that its truths run lengthwise, crosswise, throughout the Bible, giving scriptures strength to form the foundation of life for those who will believe. I called you to search your heart. Do you desire to please God? I'm not asking how well you do it. I'm asking what is the desire from the bottom of your heart? If there's a nagging feeling that you're not being holy enough, no matter how well things seem to be going, if you're always finding yourself falling short, then you should rejoice. Rejoice because that's the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. If God has called you, He'll not leave you to yourself. His Spirit will continually be working to mold you into the image of Jesus Christ. That work will be ongoing as long as you draw breath, and the assurance that comes from God is that He will not stop that work until you're with Him in heaven in a perfect state of holiness. What wonders, what hope we have as God's people. This great salvation is yours. It's given as a gift. It's a gift with assurance, with hope, and it can never be stolen or lost. This doctrine stands against the idea your salvation is based in your works. God has covered, as you covered, you will never be lost because you're a part of God's decree of election made before this world was created. If you have placed your hope and trust in Christ and in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father. We thank you for this time of worship and fellowship. We need you in time with you as we need it with each other. We have to have love for you, from you, and from each other to withstand this world and its evil. Help us, Father. Help us to grow in love. Give us patience and kindness. Help us to not envy, boast, or be proud. Keep us from rudeness and help us not to be self-seeking. Grant that we not be easily angered and keep no record of wrongs. Don't allow us to delight in evil, but rejoice in truth. May we protect, trust, hope, and persevere in love for one another. We pray this in our Lord and Savior's name. Amen. Would you take your hymnal?